Hi, I'm Jill Myers. I'm the editor of American Short Fiction. Welcome to the American Short Fiction Podcast. We'll be talking with ASF contributors and hearing them read from their work. Today we'll be talking with writer Marie Helene Bertino. Marie's story, Carry Me Home, Sisters of St. Joseph, is in the spring 2010 issue of American Short Fiction. Marie's stories have appeared or are forthcoming in the Pushcart Prize anthology, the North American Review, Inkwell, and Indiana Review. She is the associate editor for One Story. Marie, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the genesis of Carry Me Home and where where the idea came from? The idea for Carrying Me Home came from a couple different sources. It was kind of a perfect storm of influence. Um, the first part of the storm was that I was an assistant teacher in kindergarten in San Francisco for six weeks. And it was the first time I was ever really around kids. I was completely petrified by them. But then I became really fascinated by the way they were, and I jotted down notes. And I couldn't get over certain things about them, like how they were completely incapable of being sarcastic. And um, I was there for Valentine's Day, and they became little lunatics about that holiday and, and totally actually made me fall in love with Valentine's Day. They were really cute about it. So I had those notes for about five years and until I used them for the story. And the other part of the storm was that I did 16 years of Catholic school. I went to a high school called Mount St. Joseph Academy in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and I was taught by the Sisters of St. Joseph. And I was one of around six or seven girls who were bused in from northeast Philadelphia. We would do these little dance routines at uh, the high school dances, and we would dress in matching clothes and um, clear a circle in the middle of the dance floor and do these really, really lame routines that we would practice. At one of our dances, our principal, Sister Mary Dacey, came into the circle and wanted us to teach her the moves. So we did. And she would dance with us. She just started dancing with us all the time. It was hilarious. And I just found the Sisters of St. Joseph to be the most fun, most progressive women. Their whole mission was to teach us how to be strong and creative and intelligent. Wow, that's really great. I, I love how, how alive the nuns are in this story. I mean, there's such a terrific force and sort of a creative force and, and so funny in themselves and so human, too. They're they're just lovely. How about, oh, thank you. How I uh, actually got in touch with Sister Mary Dacey and the Sisters of St. Joseph I was taught by, and they are anxiously awaiting the story as well, and they think it's pretty funny. <laughs> but they're not based on any specific nuns. Mm-hmm. The nuns in the story are not based on anyone specifically. I want to state that for the record. <laughs> the the story is is so funny and and just I found myself laughing out loud in in a number of Aww. places. And I just wonder, did you have any models for that, or or people that you read that that you really think are just hilarious writers, or who who are kind of able to grab you in a very human way, but also in a very funny way. Oh, that's uh, well. First, that's a really sweet thing to say, Jill. Thank you. I think the, one of the only authors who makes me laugh out loud is David Sedaris, and I haven't read him in a while, actually. But he is definitely consistently someone who I get embarrassed by because I'll read him on the subway. Actually, I can't read him on the subway because I I laugh too much. I find J.D. Salinger to be really funny. 
George Saunders, I find to have a lot of amazing, real humor. It's those authors, I feel, who use their humor to get to really dark, sad places. And, and I, uh, I like to think I'm, I'm trying to write out of that very cool tradition. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what it was like to, to write Ruby, who questions faith, who questions God, in, in a very clever way, but also in a very kind and sincere way. I always figured that it would be pretty obvious to anyone who read the story that it was written by a former Catholic, because I don't know that anyone else could be as heretical <laughs> as I was being in, with some of the things that Ruby says. Um, Ruby is, I would be naive and dishonest if I said that she didn't have the specific questions I have about Catholicism and also about organized religion in general. Anything a large group of people believes, I'm kind of naturally suspicious of. That might be because I'm part French, and there's just something in the French culture that makes you question things like that. But I've always been a questioner of, and that goes for any religion, not just Catholicism, but also Eastern religion and anything, anything that's organized in a large group of people believes. So Ruby was just the the physical manifestation of the questions I had about why the rules, and, and it just always seemed so easy to me, because I did do 16 years of Catholic school, and I was always a very vocal questioner of it while I was there. And it just seemed to me that anything worth its metal should stand up to that kind of questioning. And, and sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. But Ruby very much reflects um, that kind of unconventional spirit. And I hoped that she was kind about it and funny about it and sincere, because I don't think there's any need for um, meanness in, in that on that topic. But... Um, yeah, I think she reflects my philosophy that if we don't know what's going on, we might as well just be as nice as we can be to each other. So to to move on to kind of bigger questions or, or questions about your, your career. Bigger than religion? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's see. I don't know if I could formulate anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to move away, let me just give you some context to move away from the story specifically and to talk about... Uh, what what you're up to. Um, you are the associate editor for One Story. Um, maybe could you talk a little bit about um, what what it's like to work at One Story and, and how your editorial work feeds into your writing? I, I have a theater background, and I used to want to be... Um, I used to want to direct for the stage, and I find that I access that part of myself uh, when I'm when I'm editing with an author, because one of the things... I don't like to tell someone how to write a line, so I'll just ask, and I never used to like to tell anyone how to say a line when I was directing theater. I feel like it's the same thing, and so instead of doing that, I'll just ask them what they're trying to say and where they're trying to go with a specific paragraph or a phrase, and and so it definitely flexes the muscle I use to revise my own writing, so I think, yeah, I think it's just good practice. What are you working on now? I am working on revising other stories, but I just finished the first draft of a novel. So I'm going through that right now. I, I call it like my first and a half draft because I'm going through it right now to make sure it makes logical sense and is written in English because, you know, sometimes you just don't know until someone else reads it. 
And as it stands right now, no one else has read it. So I'm a little worried that it's just a bunch of wingdings. So until I have another set of eyes on it, I'm just uh look before I before I have my first reader take a look at it. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm writing. Do you want to reveal what it's about, or are you keeping that under wraps for now? Oh, oh, no, no. It's about a witch who travels cross-country. <laughs> That's what it's about. <laughs> that is really intriguing. Um, well, <laughs> I um, hope so. Also, it's about everything. Everything ever. <laughs> as novels should be. <laughs> as, as every novel is, right? Right. Um, well, thank you so much for talking with us. I think um, we're going to move on now so we can hear you read from Carry Me Home, Sisters of St. Joseph. Okay, so Carry Me Home, Sisters of St. Joseph is about a girl named Ruby who has moved into the basement of a convent to get over a boy, Clive, who is a rodeo clown at a steakhouse. Ruby's job is to, among other things, be a groundskeeper and take care of the convent's tomato plants. She befriends the Sisters of St. Joseph, who mysteriously disappear every Friday night. And in this scene, she secretly follows them to find out what they're speaking off to do and encounters a big surprise. (laughs) So here you go. That night, I am decoupaging a lamp when I hear scuffling in the hall. The sisters of St. Joseph slip into their shoes. I run to the window and stand on the crate. Whispers, multi-shouldered shadow, gate click, and gone. I pace the floor. I wind a scarf around my neck and leap the stairs to the courtyard. Don't wait up for me, tomato plants. The sisters shuffle up Route 1. I follow a spy's distance behind, catching snatches of talking and singing. Summer is hanging on. The trees I pass showcase their leaves gold and silver. Truck high beams light me. I leap into a bush. When I climb out, the sisters have vanished. I look up, then down the road. A billboard above me says, call today. I run. Several yards ahead is a stucco building with a sign, the slaughterhouse bar. Down the highway, I hear the defeated bleeding of a horn, a cutoff, a missed signal. I decide to go in, drink whiskey, and figure out how I was given the slip by 12 women of the cloth. It's a sawdusty local's hole with pear-shaped men lining the bar. Walking through the vestibule, I encounter a strange tableau. Sister Charlene feeding a bill into the beat-up jukebox. Fat Sister Georgia ordering beers and saying something I can't hear to the bartender. A cute remark. He winks as he slides the tray to her. Sister Helena is at the bar, sipping from a pint of beer. She notices me. You have leaves in your hair. The rest of the sisters exchange worried glances. This is not good, Charlene says. Then, trampled underfoot, blares out of the speakers, and she yells, Get the lid out, sisters! The sisters of St. Joseph hold their beers and wag their bodies around the dance floor. Sister Charlene takes my arm. You can't tell anyone about this. No one would believe me, I say. Also, I have no friends. She nods. We drink. The rainbow sticker thing, I say. Is it necessary? Her shoulders pulse with the music. The bookmarks? It bums the kids out when they don't get the rainbow sticker. That's part of life, Ruby. I know it's part of life, but they're five. They have their whole lives to be disappointed. Maybe they don't need a lottery enacted every Sunday. 
It's not a lottery. It's a way of making a decision. Well now, sister, it's a lottery. Sister Mary is playing an air drum solo. Her technique is chaste, virginal. Looking good, Mary, Charlene yells. Then to me says, agree to disagree. She holds out her beer and we clink. You're here now, so you might as well dance. The sisters play every Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and ELO song the jukebox hold. I crochet in and out of them. Heaven exists, maybe. I drink to it, to the bar, these women, and this night. I drink to the tomato plants. I drink to Christopher. I drink to all the ships at sea. They seem to have an inside joke about houses of the holy, a joke I'm trying to shoehorn myself into when the door opens and a group of men trudge in. One of them careens into Sister Charlene, who pulls her skirt away and says, Excuse me, as he passes. Same man gets to the bar and knocks Sister Helena with his elbow. The beer she holds splashes onto her habit and face. The man turns back to his buddies at the bar. Hey, I call. You spilled beer on Sister Helena. He turns around, his face blank. What happened? Sister Helena dabs her nose with a napkin. Ruby, it was an accident. I am having trouble keeping my balance. I lean on Sister Mary. You spilled a beer on a nun, I yell. A nun. He stares blandly in her direction. Sorry. Are you the patron saint of dickheads? Say you're sorry and mean it. When he looks up to see who is yelling at him, his face takes on a look of amusement. I did. The Sisters of St. Joseph close ranks against, unbelievably, me. Sister Charlene gets between me and the man whose look of amusement is fading into something more volatile, which delights me. There are only two things I know how to do. Encourage plants to produce tomatoes as bright as the sun and fight. I paw the ground like a bull. I rev up. Calm down, he says. Then thinking about it adds, bitch. I charge. The sisters of St. Joseph spring into action. They rush me joyously, a line of wide receivers shouldering a tackling dummy. I am knocked in eloquent against the floor. You bitches are crazy, I cry to the tin ceiling. You crazy bitches are crazy. I try to get up. My drunk blooms. My head wants to stay down. The sisters pull me to my feet. They hang me like a wet T-shirt on a clothesline made out of the shoulders of Charlene and Mary. Our apologies, one of them says. Is she a nun? The man asks. Sister Mary says, dear God, no. They carry me out of the bar. Sister Helena walks in front, conducting us like an orchestra. Don't let her head loll around like that, she says. Hit your hip against her thigh, Mary. Pin her hand to your shoulder, Charlene. Slowly, with Helena conducting, we make our way down the road to the convent. They pause halfway to rest. I ignore sisters Charlene and Mary, who rub their dancing hips in pain. Quit exaggerating. I take a seat on a tree stump. The tree stump is swaying, or I am swaying. I'm no bigger than a minute, no bigger than a cricket, no bigger than a very small thing. Then a voice says, give her to me. It is the brusque, masculine tone of Sister Georgia. I am struck by otherworldly fear. Don't give me to her. She'll crush me. My legs pedal uselessly against the ground. Sister Georgia takes me into her arms. Go easy on me, I say. I'm not a kielbasa. The voice says, quiet. In the arms of Sister Georgia, 
I am surprised to find a soft place. The fat that hangs like half hula hoops below her arms stabilizes me on both sides. Her dress holds a sweet smell, and through its coarse fiber, I hear her flapping heart. She hauls me easily down the road. Did you learn how to carry someone like this in prison, I say. She makes her tisking sound. On every other occasion, this fills me with worry and regret, but when you are tired enough, anything sounds like a lullaby. Crickets hum in the bushes we pass. Those crickets are the same size as me. I drift off against her soft bosom. My eyes are closed, but I know there is a moon. I miss Clive, I tell her metronome heart. Then, Sister Georgia says so quietly, I am unable to know with certainty if it is her voice I hear or the forest sounds we pass that can be linked to neither animal nor bug. I miss Germany. When we reach the gate of the convent, she hands me back to Charlene and Mary. I watch as she thunders into the night, bigly, as round as the moon that persists above her until they are indistinguishable, the moon and my vestige of safe transport. I am yanked through the open gate. The courtyard fills with the shushings of women struggling under the weight of a drunk. I am that drunk, but I am too drunk to feel bad about it. My inebriation is ebullient, wide enough for everyone. I forget about Sister Georgia because I have come up with a brilliant idea. Let's do bell kicks. I throw out my left leg and wag it. What I succeed in doing is not a bell kick, but the effect is pleasing to me. I request the the attention of Sister Helena. Admire my kick. I do it again. Helena's mouth is nodded. You're not even looking. Scuffling at the basement door, which sister has the keys buried in her vestment and who should hold me while they look? Flip a coin, I demand. Finally, we get in. The sisters of St. Joseph carry me down the stairs to my room. They arrange their shoes into a perfect line by my door. I hurl my boots on top. They carry me to bed. I am certain they have asked me to list every commercial tagline I know, so I, supine, call out to heaven. Cardinal Bank, named after a bird because birds know money. Kiwi Air, if you can beat these prices, start your own damn airline. I hear rustling by the foot of the bed as the sisters root through my drawers. Then into my vision intrudes the head of Sister Charlene. Where are your pajamas, Ruby? You're not Sister Helena, I inform her. No, dear, I'm Charlene. We want to get you into your pajamas. I say... Put Sister Helena on the phone. Finally, after what feels like a year, Sister Helena appears with a towel wrapped around her head. Thank God. I lean forward, attempting to make a private space where we can gossip. There are all these people pretending to be you. I hoist my head in the direction of the doorway where the blurry form of Sister Charlene leans in the shadows. Sister Helena looks disappointed. You've had a lot to drink. I have the rationale of whiskey. You've had a lot to drink. She gives me an aspirin, and I sit up to take it. Immediately, I feel it dissolve and fill my insides, making every atom in my body quake. This aspirin is frying me. It's not in your system yet, Ruby. It is in my system. I feel it in my system. You're not making sense, she says. You're not making sense, I say. You're the patron saint of not making any. Try to sleep. She pushes my shoulders into the pillow. Then she sits on the bed while I try to get my scrambling atoms in order. Fall in, ducklings. After a while, my quivering head slows. 
I begin to wonder what Sister Helena is thinking if she feels she is wasting her night with me, a drunken sinner. I want to give her something so her time with me is worthwhile, an invaluable tip she will benefit from and, later, be able to trace to my good counsel. Leave the S off for savings, I tell her. I will, she says, tomorrow. Today, I insist. Tomorrow, Ruby. See the world in your Chevrolet, I say. I will, she says. I promise. You say that, I close my eyes, but you never will. I don't remember anything else. American Short Fiction is a nonprofit literary magazine based in Austin, Texas. Join our literary community online at americanshortfiction.org. You can support these podcasts by purchasing a subscription online or by donating at americanshortfiction.org slash donate. Thanks to KUT Austin 90.5 FM for production assistance. Thanks to Creative Commons artist Four Stones for providing the music for this podcast.